God is so good all the time. And we just need to ask him to help us, help, help us have our eyes open to see his goodness everywhere, all the time, in everything. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Let's just give him thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. Well, you need to greet the folks around you, and you can be seated. Well, on behalf of Pastor Gabe and myself and uh, Judy and Debbie, we just want to thank you all for being so, so good to us. We are so grateful that God has allowed us the honor and the privilege and the blessing of being part of, of this body and what he's doing. And uh, God is so good. Um, I, too, was watching the, uh, the message from, from here last Sunday and have to say that, where is he? Where's Mark? Oh, there he is. Mark, you did a great job. God really used you. And we are, we are truly blessed by all the different people that serve here that makes this place what it is. Um, this is an amazing place, and I know I'm prejudiced and I'm biased, but um, I've always wanted to be a part of a church like this and so thankful that Debbie and I are. I do have one question before we get started this morning. Were you driving when you were watching those things? <laughs> I'm thinking, Jeremy's watching all these messages and he's driving. And, and the reason why I ask that is because my brother was with us this past week. He flew in from Houston, um, rented a U-Haul truck, uh, and uh, uh, took a bunch of stuff that's been sitting in our house for quite a while uh, back to his kids and to Houston. And, and I said, you know, are you going to have any problems while you're driving? Are you going to get tired? He said, oh, no. He said, I'll put on a few movies. <laughs> now, my brother is one, he and my wife are two of the smartest people I know. And I looked at him, I said, put on movies? Really? He said, yeah. I said, isn't that dangerous? No. I said, really? He said, I've watched these movies so many times, I don't have to watch them. I, I know what the scene is. I just listen to them. I said, man, why don't you just tell me that in the first place? Because I'm getting concerned that I have to ride with you. But he's, he's about, about back in Houston today, and, and it was a great time with him. But uh, uh, it, it, it's always good when you have family get together. And that's, that's the thing. Last week when Debbie and I were down in, in Pennsylvania at House on the Rock Church, um, it's like family. There are people there that we've had live in our home with us, uh, have come up here and, and spent time, and um, it, was, it was great, but there's really no place like home in Rome. 
And so it's great to be back. We're glad we're here and, and uh, looking forward to what God's, God's going to do. Uh, he's doing great things, and we have the privilege of being a part of it. You know, one of the things um, that's happening today is the Fall Fellowship. And Miss Lynn, thank you for being so faithful to do that. And all of those that have, have uh, helped uh, fill the bags and, and get this ready because it is a blessing for the kids. It's a blessing for the families. And, and not always is this done, but it, the people here that serve here, I see as extraordinary and exceptional because you do things that are not always easy, not always convenient, but they are a great blessing to so many people. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, this morning I, I want to just start in a new direction. Um, you know, when we look around us, we, we look at like this room. If you look around in this room, we all look at the same thing, but we all don't see it the same way. You know, there are things that you're going to see that somebody else might see, and they're going to see that you may not see. It's not that it's not there before you. It's just that it's not, not important or not something that just jumps out at you. And uh, this, this happens. Uh, Debbie and I, even last night, we were watching some of the uh, World Series. And uh, Debbie said, did you see that on the pitcher's mound? No, she said, did you see Romans? And I was like, where? She said, well, it was right there. Just look. And I'm looking, and I can't find it. And she said, on the pitcher's mound. And it was right there, but I didn't see it. And uh, we do this when we drive along. We, I'm looking around, and I'll see deer, and I'll say, did you see the deer? No. And she'll say, did you see those trees? Nope. You know, we're looking at the same stuff, but we're not seeing the same things because there are various things that interest us. And, and um, I, growing up, I had a real aversion to going to the dentist. Now, stay with me. This has a point. Um, but I look forward to going, all right? I, I didn't want to go, but when I knew I was going, I looked forward to it, not because I was going to see the dentist, but it was something that was in the dentist's office waiting in the dentist office was he always had these these magazines called highlights and i don't know if you've ever seen them but i always look forward to seeing those and and as much as i was going to endure what i was going to endure after i look forward to looking at these books because there was a portion in there where they had these pictures that you could you had to find the different pictures in the picture and I liked that. That was just one of those things that I, I got a sense of accomplishment when I could find them all. And at times they were dragging me back to the dentist because I hadn't found all the pictures in the picture. Um, and, and I even would find these things interesting when they, they used to be in this Sunday paper. But uh, I still look for these. And, and this morning we're going to show you a picture that has a picture in the picture. And uh, just quickly look. Go ahead, John. So do you see the lambs in the front and the guy that's obviously the shepherd and the two houses back there? Do you see anything else? Yeah, face. And it's, it's amazing because sometimes 
we see the face, but we don't see the elements that are making up the face. And sometimes we see all the elements, but we don't see the face right away. You're going to notice something first. And then hopefully you'll continue to notice everything that's there. But how many of you realize that even if we look for everything that's there, we're not going to recognize everything. We, we, we don't have the capacity to see everything that's always there in front of us. It's just too much information. So we, we pick what's important to us. You can put that down. Thanks, John. Uh, but that's where we, as much as we want to see things well and accurately and truly, we don't always see things truly. We see in part. And uh, this isn't going to be up there, but uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Does anybody remember what chapter that is? Yeah, the love chapter. It's, it's amazing that this is in here. It's in the, the message translation, but part of verse 12 says, we don't see things clearly. We don't see things clearly. We see we're squinting in a fog or peering through a mist. When you came in this morning, was there any mist out there? Fog? What happens when you're driving through fog? You slow down, right? I hope you do. Yeah, you don't. You're not able to see as much, but is it still there? Yeah, but it, we're not able to recognize or comprehend or, or make out what it is. And uh, that's, that's what this is saying. We go through life and we think we're seeing things clearly, but we're not seeing things that clearly. Not as clearly as we think we are. And that is a part of deception. And the Bible tells us in these last days, many will be deceived. Deception is rampant in these days. Um, everybody thinks they're right, which means somebody is deceived. And obviously it's not me. <laughs> but we all think that. We think it's not me. I couldn't be deceived. But we are. We're deceived at times. And... Uh, Isaiah 42, verse 20, in the Amplified Translation, tells us this. It says, you have seen many things, and that's true, but you don't observe and apprehend their true meaning. You've, you've seen many things, but you don't observe and apprehend their true meaning. I would, I would want to argue that, but I know that that's true. We see so many things, but... We don't, we don't really recognize what we're seeing all the time. We, we take it in, but we don't process with all the clarity and all the truth that really would be helpful. The only one that sees everything clearly is who? Right. There's nothing hidden from him. He, he knows everything. He doesn't know just superficial things like, like the color of our, our, our jacket or our eyes. He knows what's going on in our heart. He, he doesn't just know what comes out of our mouth. He knows why it's coming out of our mouth. And, and that's where we're so limited. We're so finite and God's so infinite. And yet we tend to go around daily walking in this world as if we comprehend it all. We know it all. We understand it all. And, and we're just right on track. And yet... There's a deception in that because we don't comprehend it all. We don't know it all. We're not always on track. 
You know, we, we have to make adjustments all the time to stay on track with God. And uh, because he's the only one that sees everything the way it really is, he, he truly comprehends. He, he realizes everything plainly and clearly before him. We need his help. And, and this morning, we're going to look at, at why it's so important uh, to see things as they truly are. And, and the only way for that to happen is to get God's help. Because if we don't, we're going to miss the blessings and the benefits that God has for us. Um, and and it's, it's happening all the time. And God wants us to be able to recognize and see the way he sees because he helps us. But before we, we go any further, let's just pray and, and invite God to speak to our hearts. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here. God, you are so good. There's no place we can go that you're not there, and you've promised where two or more are gathered, you're there in their midst. So, Father, beyond what any of us think or sees or comprehends, you're here. And, Father, it's not just your presence. We need your participation. So we ask you to speak to our hearts and our minds, our circumstances, and uh, reveal your truth that sets free your word that illuminates and, and brings revelation that we can be transformed, your word that is life and health that we could be healed. Father, we, we thank you for the work that you've begun that you are faithful to complete. And so, Father, we, we ready ourselves to recognize the word that you're speaking to us not everything but that specific thing that you're speaking to us today that we can receive it and hide it in our heart that we wouldn't sin get off track with you and we thank you father for this in jesus name and everyone said Amen. so we we see that we don't observe these things and and uh, apprehend or comprehend their true meaning and so in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus is uh, in his own hometown. He's been invited to speak and, and, uh, in the synagogue. And they bring him up and they bring him to the scroll and they open the scroll and he begins to read and he reads this prophecy. And, and here it is. It says, Jesus is saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are oppressed. So this is what Jesus is saying. He's just reading it. But he says after this, and this day, this is fulfilled in your presence. And what he's saying is this prophecy that was, was spoken hundreds of years before, that prophesied of the Messiah, he said, I'm the one. I'm standing right in your midst. And, and they, they react to this, and they, they are amazed at how he's teaching and how he, he uh, expounds the word. But then they say, isn't this Joseph's kid? So were they comprehending? Were they apprehending? Were they perceiving the person that was right before them? Well, this is Joseph's kid. Were they right? Yes. Were they wrong? Yes. Yeah, they were right and they were wrong. But they saw him as Joseph's kid so they could receive 
what Joseph's kid could do. And what did Joseph and, and what did he teach Jesus to do? He was a carpenter. So you need a chair, you need a table. Well, you know, if you see Jesus as Joseph's son, Joseph's kid, then you can have what a carpenter can give. You think they'd miss out on a little bit if that's all they saw him as? They'd miss out on the majority. Because he was the Messiah. He was God in the flesh. And yet, they were amazed at how he taught. But all they could see was Joseph's son. And so they couldn't receive the blessing and benefit that was standing right before them. Not because he didn't, didn't want to be that blessing and benefit. They couldn't recognize it and receive it. And I want you to know today, that's standing in the way of a lot of things that are going on. A lot of things God wants to do in your life and in other people's lives and in this earth and this time. Uh, we're, we're just not recognizing. We're not really observing. We're looking, but we're not seeing. And we need God to help us see the way he sees. Or we're going to miss what he has prepared for us to us and through us. And so uh, when it says he's here to do these things, to he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Wow. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Now, the gospel to the poor, who does, who does the gospel need to go to? Everyone, that's right. And, and heal the brokenhearted, who, who needs to be healed? Everyone. Everyone. And then it says to proclaim liberty to the captives. Who needs to be set free? Everyone. But look at the next one. It says, and recovery of sight to the blind. It's time for discussion. Yeah, that too is for everyone. But we're sitting here and we're seeing. We just read this because we can see. But we experience blindness. And we don't even know we're blind. And that's the worst kind of blindness. And when it says the recovery of sight, it means to behold, to become aware, to regard with eyes wide open or to see as things truly are. Not as we perceive them, but as they truly are. You know, I was going to do something this morning that I haven't done in a long time, but uh, if you've ever seen somebody take a pencil and say, do you know this is a rubber pencil? And then take it and wave it up and down and it looks like it's rubbery. Have you ever seen that? Some of you are like, no, some of you are yes. Those of you that said yes, find the ones that said no and show them what we're talking about. Uh, but, but it's not. It's just an appearance. It's an illusion. And there are so many things that are just an illusion here. They have an appearance. The Bible talks about those that appear godly but are not. Wolves in sheep's clothing. And, and we need to be able to see as God sees. And the only way we can do that is with God's help. But he says, 
recovery of the sight. Recovery of the sight. You know, we need to have our sight recovered by God. And then it says the blind. Now, this is incredible when you study this out. And this is why it's so important that you just don't come and, and I do the studying and I share it with you or whoever's up here does this. This is why the Bible says we're to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed or embarrassed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But this word blind is a very unique word. It means to envelop in smoke. How many of you know when, when somebody is trying to maybe deceive you or get you off track, they'll blow smoke at you? Have you ever heard that statement, blowing smoke? Well, this, this is kind of that thing. But this is what it means figuratively. It means to inflate with self-conceit, to be high-minded or lifted up with pride. It, it, when somebody's blind... They don't see things, especially themselves, as they really are. And if you don't see yourself as you really are, you're, you're not going to have a chance of seeing other people as the way they really are. And, and this has to do with, with pride and arrogance. And, and I think all of us, would our initial reaction would be, well, I, I'm not prideful. <laughs> well... That's probably an indication you are. <laughs> but why, why, why did Jesus come to recover the sight of the blind, those that, that don't see things accurately because of this smoke that envelops them, this deception because of overinflation of our estimation of ourselves and usually underinflation of the estimation of others. In, in 2 Corinthians, and this won't be up here, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 tells us that Satan, the God of this world, the God of this age has blinded the minds and eyes of the people of this world. Now, who's in this world? All of us. The enemy's working overtime to try and blind us, to, to cause us not to see things clearly. To, to put a spin on things that would uh, favor him and what he's trying to do. And what, what's the enemy trying to do? In John 10.10 it says the, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So he's trying to paint pictures and show things in, in, in a perspective that would cause that to happen in our lives. Steal our peace, steal our joy, steal our hope. Our confident expectation of God, of good. Because we should always be confident. And yet sometimes we find ourselves not so confident. And, and this is something that it was addressed with the seven churches. We see it in Jesus addressing the seven churches. And it was interesting today. I don't know why. Judy, you did a great job with communion. Thank you so much. Um, but Judy was saying, now pull back the seal. And I'm thinking of Jesus and the seals of revelation that are being opened. And, and, and I just for a moment was just kind of thinking, wow, that's going to be an amazing time. But in the book of Revelation, Jesus addresses seven churches. And uh, we're going to look at just one of them. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 through 17, uh, this is the church at Laodicea. 
And uh, it, it tells us that um, it, it, Laodicea was a place that was well known for a variety of things. Number one, it was very wealthy. It was one of the um, central banking places at that time in the world. Uh, Laodicea was also known for its uh, production of medicine, specifically ISAV, that was supposed to cure types of blindness. Um, there was a medical school there. And so uh, it was also situated between a couple of uh, other cities. One had a hot springs and the other had very cool, refreshing springs. And because they had no real water source of their own, they had to pipe in the water from the hot springs and the water from the cool. But what happened was, because they were six miles away from these places, by the time the hot water got to them, it wasn't so hot. And by the time the cool water got to them, it wasn't so cool. You know, hot water is really good when it's hot. It does a great job of, of, of cleaning and, and, you know, giving you kind of, uh, if, if you're in a hot tub, you loosen up. Uh, but it's not so good when it's not hot anymore. And, and cool water is really refreshing, but when it's not so cold, it's not so refreshing. So keep that in mind as, as we read this. It says this, And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write these things, says the amen, the faithful, and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. Now this is why he says this, because it just pierces to the heart of these people. These people understand. If you're supposed to be hot and you're not hot, mm, not good. You're supposed to be cold and you're not cold, mm, not good. And so you're not hot or cold. I wish you were cold or hot then. So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, now look at this. They're not hot and they're not cold. They're, they're lukewarm, which is not real valuable or helpful to anybody. Um, and and it's, they say, I'm rich and I've become wealthy and I have need of nothing. Because when people looked at them, looked at the Laodiceans, that's what they saw. They saw one of the wealthiest places with the people that had some of the highest incomes and wealth in the area. And so they saw themselves that way. I'm rich. I've become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. Wow. And you don't know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Whoa. Can you think of two more polar opposites? Well, God, this is who I am. I'm... I'm Rich, I've become wealthy, and I don't have any need of anything. And God says, mm, nope. That's who you think you are. By your perception, by your view of things, by everything that you know, you're holding this to be true, and yet it's not true. Have you ever tried to convince somebody who believes they know the truth that they don't know the truth? It's just about impossible unless that person trusts you 
so much that they're willing to give up their stance because they believe you would never speak anything but the truth to them. And that they're humble enough to believe that maybe they're missing something. But again, that's few and far between. And so we're rich, we're wealthy, we have need of nothing. If, if you were to say to somebody, I don't need anything, I don't need anybody. What kind of statement is that? Is it, is it prideful? S somewhat conceited? Isn't that what we found out that, that part of the definition of blindness is? These people were blind. And that's where the, the Lord says to them, no, no, no. As much as you think you have everything, you have need of nothing, you're wretched. You're miserable. You're poor. Now, were they miserable? Likelihood is they weren't. They were enjoying what they were doing, but compared to what God had for them, it was like misery compared to the joy of experiencing what God had. You know, we sometimes sell out so cheaply and embrace the things of this world for a moment and, and try and get joy and fulfillment and entertainment out of that instead of recognizing what's eternally ahead of us. This is not home. This is not our home. There's something that's ahead that is far beyond anything we can comprehend, but God gives us glimpses in his word about how amazing it is. Wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. They're blind. That's the same word blind as what we, we looked at before and found out the definition has to do with being self-conceited. And, and prideful. And this the enemy working in this world to try and get us to the place where we think, I don't need that. I don't need God. I don't need them. I don't need anything. But the reality is we need God and we need others. That's the way God designed it. We need God more than anything or anyone. But God designed it that we're to be part of a body connected in that every joint, every connection supplies more of what God intended so our lives become fuller to overflowing so that we can overflow in the lives of other people. But we've got to look at other people clearly, see them clearly. If not, we're not going to be able to bless them the way they need to be blessed or receive the blessing that God has for them to be in our lives so that our lives would be even more full that we can bless even more people. Listen, that's what this is about. It's not about who gathers the most stuff, who gets the most toys, who has the biggest bank account or the nicest car or the biggest house. It's about receiving the blessings that God has for us freely without any guilt or condemnation. Man, if you're blessed financially and you have a nice car and a nice house, enjoy it, but also know that God's given that to you, but he may give it through you to somebody else. And you may be sitting here today saying, well, I don't think God's going to have me give my house away. Really? He could do that. 
he might have for you to do that. Well, then where would I live? I want you to understand that God never, never directs you to do something that he doesn't have something even better in mind for you. But our frailty in being able to see the way God sees is, if I don't, if I do that, I won't have it. No, you won't. But you open yourself up to the principle of sowing and reaping, and as you sow, you'll reap. Now, God may not bring it back in a day, but he'll take care of you till he brings back what he has for you to show the blessing that he has for you. There's nothing we should hold on to except God. Everything else is up in his hands to be put where he wants it put. Now, you may say, well, that's a, that's a pretty crazy idea, but, you know, that's the kingdom of God. We hold on to nothing but God. Everything else is subject to be directed by him, even our lives. And so these people, these people are blind and they don't know it, but there's, there's challenges here. And in Isaiah 42, verse 19, uh, part of this scripture tells us something that is very, very revealing. It says, who is blind as he who is perfect? There's nobody more blind than the person who thinks they're perfect. They can't even see themselves. And if they can't see themselves, if they're, they're so deceived in that, they'll never be able to see anybody else as they really are. And God doesn't want us wallowing in self-pity or, or, or feeling uh, dealing with an inferiority complex. God has not made you inferior. Human beings are the pinnacle of God's creation. But human beings without God don't tend to do too well. But when we let God have his way, he causes our lives to be instruments that bring blessing and breakthroughs and, and all sorts of things to other people's lives who are stuck in that blindness. Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, another part of what, what causes us to be blind. It, it's not just our pride, but there's another thing that works in human beings that causes this blindness and thinks, we think we're seeing. You know, the latest seeing we're sure they were seeing. I'm rich and I'm wealthy and I don't need anything. And, and they were convinced of that. And God is telling them that's not the truth. You're not seen truly. You got stuff, but you're not rich, you're poor. You got stuff, and you think you're happy, but you're wretched and miserable compared to what I have for you. You got stuff, and you think that you have no need of anything, but you're blind and naked. That had to be a hard thing for them to hear because they were convinced of what they were. Just like we can become so convinced of what we are and how we don't need this one or that one or how that one's just not necessary and how we're so much better. It's, 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 it's a challenge. 
But there's another thing that works in human beings that causes us to experience blindness, that robs us of the ability to see truly, see ourselves and see others as they truly are, and receive the, the gifts and the blessings that God intended. And in Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, you are living among a rebellious people. They have eyes to see but do not see and ears to hear but do not hear for they are a rebellious people. Now, why do their eyes not see and their ears not hear? Because they're rebellious. That keeps us from seeing as things truly are. It keeps us from really comprehending and hearing as things really are. We don't see correctly. We, we see something that's not accurate and not true. We don't hear correctly. We hear something that's not accurate and not true. And it feeds into our rebellion. And this was written thousands of years ago. And yet it's happening today. Right where we are, we're living in a nation, in a world that's full of rebellion. I mean, it, it's everywhere you look. It's, it's moving towards anarchy. And that's not what God has. And I know there are all sorts of people that have all sorts of reasons for what they do. But we better be sure that we're not blind. That we're not in pride that we're not conceited, that we're open to listen and especially listen to God and to godly people. They have eyes that don't see and ears that don't hear for they are rebellious. You know, church, we need to check our hearts. Are, are, are we being rebellious to God, to what his word says, what his principles are? Because if we are, we can't see and it's so important that we do see and, and it's so important that if we don't see the way God has for us to see clearly and truly, we're going to miss the very blessings and provisions that he has. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we're going to quickly look at David's life. Um, David was kind of unknown. He was not anybody everybody looked for. What, what did David do before he became king? He was a shepherd, and he was a shepherd that was part of a big family. He was one of the youngest in this family, and so he was kind of the run of the litter. He wasn't big like Goliath, but he, he, he had a calling from God, and I want you to know you all have callings from God. And most of us are unaware of what we're called to. But it says, now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him as a, uh, from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. So this is what's happening. Saul has been rejected because he was disobedient. He was rebellious to God. And now God has to replace him, and he's got another king in mind. And so God says to, to Samuel the prophet, you're going to go to Jesse's house and you're going to find the next king among his kids. And we drop down to verse 6. 
And it says this. And so it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And, and so Jesse starts bringing his sons before Samuel so that he can anoint the one that's king. And, and he's got all his sons there almost. And the first one goes through and, and Eliab was, looked like he was the one. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So in this moment, he's saying something that points back to Saul. When Saul was chosen by Israel, who said, we've got to have a king, which was rejecting God as their king. They looked at him, and he was taller than everybody else, and he was handsome. And so they said, well, he'll make a good king because he's tall and handsome. Really smart, right? Why are we choosing people that we're choosing? Are we choosing them because God's chosen them, being directed by God? Or are we choosing them because of something else? He says God doesn't look on the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. And you know what? It'd be great if we could all look at the hearts of people, but we can't. The Bible says no one knows the heart of man except for God. But God knows it. And God can help you have a perspective and a perception of what's going on. Now, he's not going to reveal it all, but he can reveal some. And then in verse 10, um, you know, all the sons pass by. And uh, then in dropping down to verse 6 or 11, it says this. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all your young men here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. He wasn't even that far away. He was out there. He points to him. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in, and he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him for this is the one. So in this moment, I want you to see what's going on. Samuel tells Jesse, I want all your sons here because one of them's going to be king. Jesse looks over his sons and he says, okay, come on, boys. I want you here because Samuel's coming. One of you is going to be king. Oh, David, would you go take care of the sheep? None of the boys, the rest of the boys said, well, no, he can't go. We, we're all supposed to be here. They were probably, yeah, David, go take care of the sheep. You're the youngest one. You're the littlest one. Go take care of the sheep. And Samuel gets there, and he goes through all the sons, and he says, this, uh, the, none of these are him. You have any more kids? Oh, yeah, there's, there's David. He's out in the field, but he's, he's the youngest one. Well, call him. David walks in and Samuel says, this is the one. So, so what's happening? Jesse, David's father, doesn't even see the king and his son. David's brothers don't see the king in their brother. But guess who saw the king in David? God. And God... Let Samuel know so that David could be anointed as king. But if 
everybody had had their way, including Samuel, without God's guidance, David never would have become king. And what would have happened if David did not become king? All the things David did would never have been done. David was the greatest king Israel ever had. Now, did he do everything right? No, he was a human being. He messed up in some things. But God still used him because that was God's plan. And I want you to know, when you and I look out over the, the, uh, the lives of people around us, when we look at them, we're going to see what we see, but only God sees the potential, the provision that he's put in them, the power, the gifting. And I'm telling you right now, we're missing a lot of what God has set all around us because we're not seen truly. And we need God's help to see each other. And if nothing else, one of the things we're seeing in our society is an absolute devaluing of human beings. That if you don't believe what I believe or agree with what I, I think, you're worthless. I have no need of you. And yet, we're not seeing the way God sees. If nothing else, we need to see that person as a person that Jesus died for. And because God exchanged Jesus for every one of us, and Jesus is priceless, every one of us is priceless, and we need to see with God's eyes, truly see people as he does, because we don't know. We don't know the next person that we write off if God hasn't have for them to be some amazing gift in the body of Christ. And so we need, we need help from God. God, help us. Open the eyes of our understanding that we would know the hope of his calling for us. But we would begin to get a glimpse of his calling for others, that we could encourage other people. Man, so many people are being discouraged today. And we of all people ought to be encouragers of people. Because the potential of every human being connected with God is unlimited. When, when we see what God did through David with Goliath, man, we need champions like that. God has champions all over. God has people that are going to rise through the ranks and, and lead and reign and do all sorts of things. But they're going to be many times the least likely because we sang it today. God takes the foolish and the weak to lead the strong and the wise. And God doesn't see them as foolish or weak. God sees them as he sees them, and he sees them accurately. And I just want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute because, you know, the likelihood is that people haven't seen you truly, and they've, they've discounted you and passed over you and, and, and judged you and thought poorly of you. But I want you to know that's not how God looks at you. God sees you as priceless. And God has for you to be a world changer. But it starts with you 
being able to see who God is and who God can be in you and through you. And then it moves to you looking at other people with that guidance from God to help you see the, the value they are and the potential they have and be able to encourage them maybe in things they never, never thought, but God has for them to do. There's so much waste today. There's so many people warring today because the enemy knows to divide is to weaken and to cause destruction. So, Father, I pray that you give us new eyes. Father, your word says that in a prayer that the eyes of our understanding would be opened. Open to you to know the hope of your calling for us and for others. Not that we're going to tell people what to do, but we can encourage them to step out, to step into the things you have, to, to rely on you and trust in you and know that with you all things are possible. God, I pray right now for those that have been broken, broken in heart, broken in spirit, that people have had discounted them or devalued them or just discouraged them. Father, I pray for you to heal their hearts, restore their hope, their joy and their peace. But Father, in these days, as it's getting darker, more desperate and depraved, that Father, we would truly be the light in the earth and the salt in the earth. And Father, we would even see those that are, are opposing and attacking us See them with, with value as you see them. Even as Jesus looked from the cross and said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Father, we would, we would in spite of people, love people. Because you loved us when we were enemies of the cross. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for helping us to see where we haven't seen removing the blindness that father we would we would be vessels in this earth as you would direct us to encourage and assist and lift up those that have been brought low and we thank you father for this in Jesus name amen you know, sometimes we, we make things very complex. But the Bible says this, those that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. One of the things that happens in, in these days is we, we sometimes overwork things. And if you're here today and you have never, ever received the Lord, and the reality is Jesus died for you and paid the price for your sin on the cross. And... It's important that you recognize that your eyes are open to see who he is and what he did. He is the Messiah, the, the Son of God. John the Baptist, his eyes were opened when he was baptized, and he said, 
There's Jesus. Behold, the Son of God, who, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He wants to remove that sin from our lives and restore us to fellowship with the Father. And I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads real quickly once again. If you're here and you have never turned to Christ and trusted in Christ, today is that day. And, and if you have never done that, it's a brand new beginning. It's not an, it is an end. The Bible says the power of sin is broken in our lives. No longer are we forced to do things. We can still choose to do them, but we're not forced. But then there begins this whole new and living way that we walk in, that we will learn all the days of our life here, preparing us for eternity. But if you have never, never asked Christ to come into your life and be Lord of your life, I want to pray with you today. And, and I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. I'm going to invite everybody to pray together. But if that's you, I just want you to just lift your hand right now and say, that's me. I, I know I need Christ to be Lord of my life. I don't want to do this alone anymore. Then I trust everyone here has. And so with that, Father, I thank you that you remind us every day and, and affirm to us that you're with us and for us and there's nothing that can stand against us. And as we walk out each day, we don't have to go through just things that bring us to our knees, but Father, we're in communion and contact with you all the time. And Father, we, we look to you and listen for you to help guide us and govern us and guard us as we walk through every step of the day. And Father, we would see your goodness in the land of the living. And we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? Oh, that's right. Sit back down, please. I made a mistake. Come on up, hon. We have one thing to do today before we come on up here. There you go. Hello, everybody. Yeah. Good to see your beautiful faces. We are so blessed. We have some new members. Uh, God has brought to RLC. I don't know if any of them are here at this service, but I'm going to read their names. If you are here, just stand up. Um, and everybody can see who you are and hopefully get to know them. Uh, Jack Lore. Connie Nessel. Melissa Quinones. Hannah Roser, and Maritza Velez. So I don't see anyone standing. They'll be here next service, but you know their names now, and hopefully you'll be able to soon get to know them. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Would you stand? Father, thank you for each one of your children. Thank you for this week that you prepared for us. We're going to walk into it knowing that you've gone ahead of us and prepared the way. Father, we thank you for your blessing. Father, I thank you for your blessing on each and every one of your children, that you want their lives overflowing. And as they go through this week, the overflow of you, the overflow of blessing, the overflow of life, the overflow of love would spill out on our family, on our friends, on our coworkers, and people we just come in contact with, that they would recognize Maybe not completely, but begin to get a glimpse you, of how good you are. Thank we thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. Amen.